Praise the Lord, everyone. Welcome to the Impact Broadcast with Apostle Dr. Lisa Barino. We want to thank you for being with us on today. Um, we're going to open up with a word of prayer before we get into our lesson. Father God, we just glorify and magnify your name on today. We thank you, O oh Father God, for being so good, so merciful, and so kind. Um, unto your people, Father God. We ask, oh Father God, that you will bless this time in the word, that it may edify your people and that your name might be glorified. In Jesus' name, we want to thank you. Amen. We've been talking and discussing the present reformation of the church. So today we want to talk about um, the aspect of af um, activating reformation. And we're going to look into the principle principles of Josiah. Josiah's grandfather was the um, prodigiously evil king Manasseh. He was the 14th of the kings of Judah and went and set a new standard for religious corruption and pure um, demonism in the land. We see this in 2 Chronicles chapter 33 verse 1 through 9. He destroyed all the spiritual gains of Hezekiah, who had brought a powerful reformation to Judah. Manasseh built altars to false gods all over the country and personally practiced soothsaying, witchcraft, and sorcery. Under his government, there was a revival of evil and spiritualism. He caused his own sons to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. He even raised up an idol in the very house of God and defiled the consciences of the people of Judah and Jerusalem. The reformation of Hezekiah, the previous king, was characterized by internal cleansing of the house of God, representing a purification of the conscience and the inner life of the people. All of this was destroyed by what was nothing less than a backlash of evil as Manasseh led a spiritual revolt that defiled the worship of an entire society. Manasseh was eventually judged by God and humbled himself, but left a legacy of evil in the land unequaled by any other king. He was succeeded by his son, Amon, who came to the throne when he was 22 years old and continued what by now had become an entrenched family tradition. We see this in 2 Chronicles chapter 33, verse 21 through 25. He revived the evil idols built by his father and refused to humble himself before the Lord. After two years, his own servants assassinated him in a palace coup. It is at this point that Josiah is, is elevated to the throne of Judah. We must understand the context in which Josiah came to the throne in order to appreciate this immensity of his accomplishment. He inherited a legacy of evil that has lasted for four, 47 years and has no immediate patterns of godly excellence and governmental quality to guide him. In addition, he is only eight years old when Amon is slaughtered and he becomes king. He is in the midst of a society that by now expects the family tradition to continue through Josiah. 
And certainly spiritual and moral life in Judah is at an all-time low point. Every conceivable factor operates against any great achievement in Josiah's reign. But the spirit of reformation begins to silently but powerfully work in his life as Josiah stands at the intersection point of human evil and prophetic intent from God. Before his birth, a prophet has spoken. In 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 2, Then he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, Behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David. Reformation can break into any system and change the expected outcomes. It can redefine the traditions that have settled into the church because its power comes from the prophetic energy of God's divine will and desire and not from the earthly energy of man's sinful and selfish ways. 300 years before his birth, an unnamed, an unnamed prophet spoke the word that would release this reformation into the earth. The word came forth with accuracy, passion, and divine force. Now, hundreds of years later, a young boy birthed in the midst of evil, but configured according to prophetic decree, stands at the point of destiny and change. The story of Josiah demonstrates to us the unstoppable force and momentum of a reformation sent by God. Neither human tradition, history, religious corruption, nor any other earthly hindrance has the power to interrupt or resist an accurately birthed reformation in the earth. Let us now closely look at Josiah's reformation and identify some of the vital characteristics and activities that brought change to the people of God in his day. In 2 Chronicles um, chapter 34 verse 1 and 2, we see where he ventures outside of his time and activates patriarchal destiny. Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right or to the left. The word right means in the original language to be straight, level, or upright, and has in its root meanings the suggestion of things being brought into order. It indicates the erection of powerful personal standards in Josiah's life. These standards would form the ground out of which the impetus um, for Reformation would eventually come. People that are inwardly bent and crooked cannot produce that which manifests the perfection of the order of God. It is it is processed. It is processed people that bring forth a reformation in the earth realm. The measuring rod against which Josiah judged his life and established um, his personal patterns was the sight of God. He learned not to be diverted by the false voices and the false claims of the earth. He did not turn aside to the right or to the left. He developed consistency and persistence as powerful attributes of his character. He was focused on the goal he set himself in his kingdom. 
He would serve God in spite of expectations and the drag of a corrupt family history. There would be no excuses, no deviation, and no slacking of his resolve. The perpendicular position against which he measured his own uprightness was only God. Lacking standards of excellence and finding no pathways into the divine intent in his immediate family and in the spiritual fathers immediately preceding him, his, he journeys backward to the glory days of the kingdom when David ruled in Judah with the prophetic power of God. He makes David's spiritual pathways his own. He imports into his own spirit the attitudes and graces that made David a model for all of Judah's kings. He bypasses the failure of his own generations and makes David his father and, and spiritual mentor, his example and inspiration. Praise God. And we see this a lot today um, in the present day reformation that's going on in the church. Um, we, we really must not look back at our lineage especially the negative part of our family history on a spiritual note. But we must listen to the voice of God and carry out the current day assignments and reformations based on what God is telling us to do now. We can't go back to what they used to do. And you hear people, especially from traditional environments, they say, well, this isn't the way we used to do it, or we've always done it this way. But God is doing a new thing in earth, and he's bringing about new things. And it's going to spring forth, whether people like it or not, it will spring forth. And he always have people, um, he always have people, a remnant of people set aside that are willing to carry out his divine assignments no matter what other people say, they're willing to risk their lives. They're willing to risk their reputations. They're willing to risk their connections and their families to carry out the perfect will of God in the earth realm. Praise God. Such as such are the principles of the reformation of the of um the mentality of the believers of this time. The failure of spiritual fathers must never be an excuse for our inability to bring forth the desire of God in our generation. This is so key because in this time and season, we always hearing about spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, spiritual coverings, and people act like they can't function and can't do anything in the earth realm without these people um, giving their blessing or releasing them. And that is not true. And that is not really what spiritual fathering and mothering is all about. However, we must have the ability to bring forth the desire of God in our generation, regardless to who is for us and who is against us or who give us their blessing. As long as you have the blessing of God and the blessing of heaven and God has equipped you to carry out his bidding, then you will bring be able to bring forth whatever God um, desires to be brought forth in the earth realm because you're his vessel and he has chosen you. Man has not chosen you um, to bring about reformation. God has chosen you to bring about the new thing. Glory to God. Um, the patriarchal promises and the patriarchal characteristics are still alive in the realms of the spirit and, and minister to us through the word of God. The principles that activated the Josiah reformation are as alive and potent to energize the things of God today, as they were when Josiah released them. Accurate reformation today must be built upon biblical patterns and not on human whim or preference.
We must be upright and walk in the ways of the ancient father, ancient spiritual fathers. It is God's original spiritual technology that we seek to touch. It is the original plan of God that we seek to enter and activate once again. Um, we want to talk about how he enters into a strong hunger and desire for God. Second Chronicles chapter 34 verse 3 says, For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the, the graved images, and the molded images. For four years, Josiah did nothing but seek God the way David sought God. He did this while he was still young. The spiritual principle for, ap for application to the Reformation movement today is that a desire and hunger for God himself is of a high priority in the days of Reformation. The, prior the, prior the primary activity of a true reformation is a corporate reconnection with God through the revival of the spirit of hunger among the people. David was a um, prodigious seeker of the face of God. We see this in Psalm 63 verse 1 and 2 where it says, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to seek your power and your glory. Josiah followed in these spiritual patterns with an expectation to see the power and the glory of the Lord emanating from the sanctuary. Seeking God is not only an emotional activity. And let me also, um, um, let me also say here too, that your sanctuary does not necessarily have to be a physical building. Your sanctuary can be everywhere, anywhere you build an altar, a meeting place where you can go. It can be in your car. It can be at a certain place. You, you may have a certain place at a park or at the beach. It can be in your bedroom. It can be in your office. The, the main thing is that you find a place and dedicate it as a meeting place where you go to meet the Father. Seeking God is not only an emotional activity. The word involves shades of meaning, which includes active study, seeking with a degree of application and carefulness, engaging in a pursuit. This is a powerful activity in which all of the faculties are stirred up and focused on the new approach to God. It is this kind of prolonged activity that brings the young king to the place of certainty and, re and resolve that culminates in the initiation of a purge in Judah and Jerusalem. He initiates a warfare against the religious spirit in the land. Second Chronicles chapter 34 verse 4 and 6 says, They broke down the altars of the Baals in his presence, and the incense altars which were above them he cut down, and the wooden images, the graved images, and the molded images he broke in pieces and made dust of them and scattered it on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He also burnt the bones of the priests 
on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And so he did in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, as far as Nephtali and all around with axes. Josiah launched a strong and sustained warfare against all the false religious emplacements throughout the land. This too is an essential process in every in every genuine reformation move of God. One of the most deceptive positions established by the enemy in the minds of the people of God is a refusal to understand that we operate in the midst of determined demonic invasions into the mentalities of the church itself. Religious spirits do invade the spiritual structures of the church. In Psalms chapter in Psalms chapter 74 verse 3 to 9 it says the enemy has damaged everything in the sanctuary your enemies roar in the midst of your meeting place they set up their banners for signs they seem like men who lift up axes among thick trees and now they break down its carved work all at once with axes and hammers. They have set fire to your sanctuary. They have defiled the dwelling place of your name to the ground. They said in their hearts, let us destroy them all together. They have burned up all the meeting place, all the meeting places of God in the land. We do not see our signs. There is no longer any prophet, nor is there any among us who knows how long. The enemy's attempt spiritual coops in the midst of the house of God. They set up their banners for signs and establish spiritual control and manipulation of all the activity performed in the house. This is such a powerful prophetic word because I, and I hear this from different um, leaders that I know who um, actually are pastoring. I don't pastor anymore, but I do have still have relationships with those who I've known for years who are pastoring. And they wonder why things are not moving forward in their house. They wonder why things are not moving forward in the ministry. They wonder why their prayers are not availing much. And that is because you have people sitting up in your church who are demonically inclined and they are against change. They are against reformation. They set up their banners. They set up all kind of coups and all kind of things secretly to hinder the work of the Lord in the house of God. And if you don't think that is true, then you are oper you have been bewitched, behooved, and your vision is not clear. Your vision has been clouded by the enemy if you cannot see this. But one thing that will break this is a long period and season of fasting and prayer. It will pull down and break the demonic stronghold, praise God. Their work is destructive and defiling. And no meeting place is exempt if they are able to penetrate. This vicious attack calls forth from the psalmist a cry for the appearance of the prophets who can erect the true banners in the midst of the crisis in the church. This is, in fact, a dimension of the Reformation move of God. One of the things also, um, if, if, if the church would begin to incorporate a strong covering of prayer, powerful prayer 
that's not based on feelings and praying about people, places and things, but really begin to pray in um, the will of God and penetrate the atmosphere with strong prayer, That then the enemy won't be able to come into your your place, your sanctuaries and your places of worship and penetrate and, and, and kill, steal, and destroy. I, you know, sometimes I hear leaders talking about how different ones come into church and, you know, they come like they're humble and they want to be in the ministry and cover by the ministry. But then the next thing you know, they, 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 in cahoots with other people, they 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 join forces with like-minded people um, to try to still kill and destroy and overtake the ministry, or to branch out and start do their own thing. And a lot of times, that's because they did not come in the name of the Lord. But you have to have a spirit of discernment and not be afraid to call these people out and to expose these spirits that operate in your churches. Glory to God. First Kings chapter thirteen verse two says, "Then he cried out." against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, behold, a child, Josiah, by name shall be born to the house of David. And on you, he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you and men's bones shall be burnt on you. Josiah's um, ravage of falsehood in the land has been previously declared by the mouth of God and is the prescribed prophetic activity for his day. His violence has the authority of truth. He attacks the idolatrous positions with axes. Axis is cherith, which can also be translated as sword and is a clear prophetic application of the word of the Lord as the sword of God in bringing judgment upon his enemies. Sometimes you have to have righteous indignation and begin to go and cut things down in the spirit also as well as in the natural glory to God. So um, the Lord, the Lord, so he began to bring judgment upon his enemies as the Holy Spirit led him through the word of the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 34, verse five, it says, for my sword cherub shall be bathed in heaven. Indeed, it shall come down on Edom and on the people of, of my curse for judgment. He begins to repair the house of the Lord. We see this in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 8. Now in the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the temple and sent um, Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, Massa, um, the governor of the city of Joah, the son of Joaz, the recorder to repair the house of the Lord, his God. Second Chronicles chapter 34, verse 10 says, then they put in the, in the hand of the foreman who had the oversight of the house of the Lord. And they gave it to the workmen who worked in the house of the Lord to repair and restore the house. It is evident that as far as Josiah was concerned, the repair work should be supervised by trusted and loyal men. The men identified here were not only high officials in the leadership of the land, but were also strong supporters of the king and shared his vision for reformation. You need to make sure that people that you have as your intercessors and people who you have on your ministry teams, that they actually share. You need to have king discernment that they actually share the vision that God has given you for, for that ministry and for that house. 
um, to bring about reformation and change um, in the earth. There are two words used here that give insight into the spiritual technology of the process taking place in the in the con- conduct of reformation. In the first scripture, the word repair is chasque, to to make impenetrable, to strengthen by making resolute, to be firm, strong, and prevailing, to make bold and courageous. In the second scripture listed that I spoke of, the word repair is badak, to close up the breaches, to mend up the the gaps. The combination of both words effectively describes the dynamic process of building that of building that takes place in the Reformation. Praise God. The words describe the spectrum of the impact of a Reformation move. All of the gaps are deficiencies in the operating procedures of the church are effectively corrected. All wounds or damages in the church which dilute the representation of Christ in the earth must be sealed up. The church must be the coherent, unified, powerful, and single demonstrator of the majesty and glory of God to a dying humanity. The breaches must be closed. The the character of the church, which has been subverted into weakness, compromise, and fear, by the envisions of right of religious and fleshy mentalities must be redefined according to the biblical standards and return to the apostolic strength. The resolve, strength, boldness, and courage which characterized the church at its birthing on the day of Pentecost must be returned to the hearts of the saints. These are vital dimensions of a reformation. Father God, we just glorify and magnify your holy name on today. We thank you, O Father God, for teaching us, O Father God, how to bring about reformation in the present day of your church, O Father God. We ask, O Father God, that you would strengthen us, that you would give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, that you would help us to tear down and to rebuild according to the pattern of your your divine plan. We ask, O Father God, that you would help us to be repairers of the house of the Lord, that you would help us to be um, victorious as we go out into battle and into um, kingdom warfare for reformational Father God. We ask, oh Father God, that you would join like minds and like hearts together. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is truly saying in this hour, oh Father God. We pull down demonic strongholds and cast down the imaginations, religious imaginations and religious strongholds, oh Father God. Even amongst the um, apostles and prophets. Some of us, oh Father God, have still have religious strongholds and religious um things that we carry out and do that are not benefiting the um divine move of God in this present time. So we ask, oh Father God, that you would do something new, not only in the earth, but in and through us, oh Father God, that we might see what you see and hear what you see, that we might bring about your divine plan in the earth. We give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, we want to thank you for listening to the Impact Broadcast with Apostle Dr. Lisa Barino, and we look forward to being with you again soon. God bless you.